This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means you're listening to another episode of The Crowncast, and I'm going to start this one out with an apology. That's right. I'm going to apologize. Take notes or just listen to the recording if you ever want to hear it again. It's, it's not like these aren't published on the Internet forever. We tried to get some content out for you while I was away, and we've been doing some new stuff in order to uh, get some cool computer techniques involved. But while I was on vacation, we tried to get one out, and the audio ended up terrible. And I went back and listened to it, and I just cringed and I cried on the inside the whole time because we want to be more professional that for you. So we hope you enjoyed it anyway. We hope you appreciate it. We tried to get something out. But in the future, I think if we have those levels of, of quality troubles, we're just not going to release it. Um, and here to not release things in general with me today is a very special guest whose name <laughs> you might have heard once or twice uh, because he used to be like one of the main guys on the pod. It's Josh. Hello, Josh. Hey, Logan. It's, it's weird to be back. <laughs> we're so glad to have oh, you. Good. Good, but yeah. weird. <laughs> we, so so for the, the listeners, unfortunately, we spent like 30, 45 minutes just chatting and catching up about the fact that we're both nerds. Uh, but we do have to point out that uh, all is well with you and your daughter. Yes, yes. Uh, almost two months old now. So getting used to that life and uh, finally at a point where I felt like I wasn't going to go crazy if I tried to do a podcast as well. <laughs> we or I was laughing because earlier on you said, and I quote, if she goes down into her crib, we get really good four five hour blocks of sleep. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, it, and it just shows you like, I'm sure that all the, the parents out there who, who listen probably know exactly what you're going through. And I'm over here going, if I get four hours of sleep, I'm dead. I'm useless. <laughs> so different world man different world <laughs> yeah i maybe you get superpowers when you have children maybe you, your body is just like forced metamorphosis into being able to run on an hour and a half of sleep i don't know is that what it feels like uh i may i think you just get used to it and you just realize it's your new normal and you're a little bit crazy <laughs> hey everyone is a little bit crazy maybe that stacks a couple extra percent on top of it uh you know who else is a little bit crazy this club yeah, Charlotte FC. Charlotte <laughs> FC's nuts. I, it's, we we had a bit of a hot one in the. Well, we've had a couple of hot ones because I think the the performances from Charlotte FC are starting to stack up on on me, if not on anyone else. But uh, it gets a little better, Josh, because we did play a League's Cup match against FC Dallas, and yep. I went into this going, I have some really cool stuff. I think we can talk about later, and. Maybe we're just going to gloss over this match. And as we went through the match, we we're like, actually, there's quite a lot of stuff we want to talk about here. Yeah. So we'll see if it's mostly match. If we get into the other stuff, great. If not, we'll put it out as another podcast. We always want to give you guys more content. So I, I want to talk about, first and foremost, the fact that uh, Jalen Lindsay in this one had a couple of really, really, really rough moments. He gets bailed out once by Christian Kalina having gifted a one-on-one -on -one in early in the match. He is playing sometimes that more inverted into the middle role. Our wings are having all sorts of trouble. This is not new. None of this has changed from the last time we have talked. But but Jalen specifically, we weren't able to see all the same pop and flair and and go forward joy out of Jalen that, that we know is in there. And we really got a highlight package of of his weaknesses. And when you get the highlight package, 
everything looks either really good or really bad. So for you, Josh, where are you sitting on Jalen? Couple rough performances in a row. Are we just looking at the bad highlight package? Or, you know, is there maybe a reason we haven't played Jalen Lindsay every game? So I think I'm going to say something that a lot of the fan base is going to disagree with, but I am becoming more and more convinced that Jalen is not a long-term answer at right back. Um, if you want to make the point that he is currently the best right back that we can field, I will hear that point. Um, but as I've said before, um, on other players, the best of a worst situation is still not a good situation. I think Jalen has talent. Um, I think he is lacking in consistency. And I think that after now a year and a half of watching him play, I want more of that consistency. Yes. He's playing maybe this inverted role that he's not used to, but Christian Latanzio has been around for a while. He should have been playing and practicing that role for a while. And I am not seeing the development in Jalen that, to be honest with you, I kind of want to see. And as a guy who is now 24, 25, he's quickly exiting that young guy with potential and moving into the territory of usually that's kind of a finished product of a player where you kind of know what you're going to get. And my worry right now, and it's a growing worry, is that what Jalen Lindsay is is an inconsistent player where you are going to have games and stretches of games where he looks fantastic, and then you're going to have stretches of games like we just saw where the struggles are real. And I think the question you ask yourself as a club, as an organization, is can we improve that and find a player who is more consistent? Maybe they don't give you the, the highs of Jalen, but maybe they don't also don't give you the lows. Yeah, and that's a player that we have some, uh, I'm not going to say we have history in Charlotte FC, but we definitely have history in football of always being the coin flip player, the one mm-hmm. that, that, like you referenced, you might get a game-winning performance out of them, or you might get a game-losing performance out of them. I haven't quite seen him to those extremes yet, but these last two games I do think might have brought me back down to earth a little bit. I think there's a winning player in there. I think especially if you could use him more like a traditional wing back, you would have a, a yeah. really special player in the MLS on your hands uh, who, again, has the recovery speed. We just talked about in the last episode how I do think Jalen has the talent to go on and be on a very successful MLS team. But recency, uh, I'm going to use I'm going to use recency impact because, uh, you know, obviously there's a little bit of recency bias, but the impact of his last two games now, even though I said that last Wednesday, is is making me feel kind of shaky. Uh, yeah. Now, to be fair, he also hasn't had regular minutes, and there are a lot of players in the world yeah. who come in and their first three games are pretty questionable, and after their first five games, they look like world beaters. I hope for his sake he's going to look like a world beater, but this was a rough one for him. Uh, I'm just going to quickly reference the first goal. Uh Nathan Byrne gets pulled inside. Jan Sobozinski and Nathan Byrne don't talk. Uh, somebody goes wide down our right side. It's an easy pass out to the right side, and it's a beautiful finish. It's a really good slot home. And the thing I want to reference towards this goal against us is uh, I'm not putting anything on Christian Kalina. Uh, mm-hmm. This guy had already saved us like six goals <laughs> at this point in time <laughs> in the match. And he goes on to save us like 12 more and also, you know, do a great job in the in the pens. So 
I don't have a real frustration with Christian and Kalina. Uh, I think that there's been not hate of Christian, but I think there has been some feeling like Kalina's not good enough. And I will be honest, where I'm sitting, I think this team is far worse without him right now mm-hmm. than than with him in it. So I'm not I'm not in any shape or form raising the the Kit Kalina flag. Uh, if anything, I hope he's still getting fully back into fitness and will only grow and get better. Do you want to talk about the second goal? I know you had some some thoughts on how Jan and Nathan uh, collided for that one. Yeah, so after that second goal, especially on Twitter, I saw a lot of anger towards Nathan Byrne for the second goal. And I understand it because in a lot of ways, it's a carbon copy, almost a carbon copy of the first goal. However, I encourage everyone to go back and actually look at that goal. And I'm not exactly sure what Nathan Byrne is supposed to do other than what he does. He is pulled to this uh, Dallas player. He is tracking this Dallas player back. Jan Sobachinski comes in sort of behind him. And then there's a free runner to the outside. At no point do you see Jan telling Nathan, I got the guy cutting in. You go cover that wide. Uh, player at no point does Jan attempt to go out wide I'm not sure that you want him necessarily to do that Um, there is no one from our wing tracking back to cover that wide player what I feel like you end up having is is Nathan Byrne in a two-on-one situation where he cannot win because he has to track that guy cutting in he cannot let that guy just cut in freely because otherwise that guy is going to have a shot on goal Jan is not being aggressive enough in my opinion to cut off that that in cut and he's not helping Nathan at all. I think you can even see the frustration in Nathan Byrne after the goal goes in, he looks around, he throws his hands up, he goes points to the outside. And I think it's very fair because he is the guy who people are going to point to on that goal, but go back and look at it and tell me what can Nathan Byrne do better in that situation? Because I think if he leaves his guy at the very least, there's a great shooting opportunity. He stays with the guy, and it opens up another great shooting opportunity. It is symptomatic of the defensive issues I think that this team is having, as opposed to an individual error in this situation. Yeah, this is one that I didn't watch particularly closely. I'll be honest, my head was kind of in my hands watching it. So <laughs> I, I'll i look back, and I will go, and I'll rewatch it, and I'll, I'll see if what you're looking at is true there. But I'm going to sort of jump around because I think this leads us into being able to talk about the style that Charlotte FC are intending to play. And that is we want to play with a tight back three. We want to play with our our wings essentially exposed. And we want to play a super high pressing system that that keeps the ball up and wins the ball back in the other uh, team's half. And we do none of that well. And. I think one of the things that I'm struggling with because we talked about the fact that I don't necessarily believe a lot of the defenders who are currently at Charlotte FC can take Charlotte to where we want it to go, hopefully where Charlotte wants it to go, hopefully where the leadership wants it to go, hopefully where Latanzio wants it to go. But the more I look at it, the more I just do not see this team, that back line being set up for success. I, I think that there's so much rotation and so much there's so much set on them to do that you would really need world, world, world beating players in order to do it. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Do you want to talk about the penalty? Yeah. I mean, I, 
it's a penalty. I saw some conversation actually, which surprised me on, online. I was that actually was trying to say, you know, it's off. Or, um, you know, Carol dove a little bit. I did not get that. I mean, this is not a guy getting his legs absolutely kicked out from under him. But when you watch it, his foot gets stamped on in the box yep. anywhere else. It's a foul on the field. Um, yes, Carol is going away from goal, but that makes it even worse, in my opinion, if you're an FC Dallas fan, because he's going away from goal. There's no reason to put that challenge in. Um, for me, that's a penalty every single day of the of the week. Um, and it gave us something because up until that point, we had nothing. I, I can't remember a single sort of positive forward uh, play up until that penalty. I'd be keen to watch the highlights package and see if there's any like Charlotte FC highlights before that, or if it's all just us getting the ball run down our throat. I look at this one and I go back to Jalen, the penalty he gave up a couple games ago. And I say, they're very similar situations. Someone goes for the ball. They're late. Mm -hmm. They do not make contact with the ball. They make contact with the player and it's a penalty. I think the one on Jalen is maybe more, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to use egregious because I think it was a penalty. I mm -hmm. think the penalty given on Jalen is slightly softer than this one. So mm -hmm. if that one's a penalty, this is a penalty. He went studs yep. into the top of somebody's shoe, pinned yep. him to the ground, couldn't move. Penalty. Yep. Uh, I, I do think it, it gets called or it should get called out for Carol that it's a pretty good pen. Um, yeah. Carol has showed us now that he very much has the I'm going to watch where the keeper goes and just slot it into the other direction. And he does that well. Uh, have, do you have off the top of your head, a, a memory of him missing a penalty? I do not. I mean, I, I, and I think that also speaks to, we really don't, I feel like get a lot of penalties. No, we um, do not. We don't get, mad. but, but when we do, and, and he is normally the one taking it unless he's on international duty or, or injured. Um, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember a miss. Yeah. Something like that. It was a good penalty. It was well taken. It's the type of style that doesn't look super flashy because you're not banging it into the top corner. But mm -hmm. it is the, the type of style that scores, you know, 75, 80, 90 even percent of pens. And that's a really good return for anybody. So yep. I think that uh, Carol deserves some credit there. Uh, really, really quickly, Scott Arfield has an mm -hmm. absolute laser yep. well set up into the back of the net. It's taken away because of Carol Schwederski. I'll be honest, I looked back at this one and I don't see it. Do you see him impeding the goalkeeper here? I am I'm torn on it. Um, I want to say no. I think Carol does everything that you want to see from a guy who is offside. He ducks. He's not making any kind of play for that ball. The only thing I will say is I always go by the rule of if it wasn't called for my team, would I be upset? And I can't decide if I would be or not, um, which leads me to say that I think I'm OK with it being chalked off. But I think it's about as 50 50 gray area call as you can get. And for one of those situations, um, and I think you'd be hard pressed. I think it's one of those where at the end of the day, if it's given or if it's taken away, I think it's hard to argue either way in my head. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately for us, it just wasn't it wasn't given our way. Yeah, I I think I fall a little bit more on the I would have I if someone is impeding the keeper, I want clear and obvious proof. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not I'm not here to say that 
this is a, a, a travesty and should be, you know, people yeah. should be fined and we should be in the streets <laughs> rioting. I mean, there are a lot of things we should be in the streets rioting about right now, let's be honest. I don't know that this is one of them. Uh, if you'd like to find out what you should be rioting in the streets about, please visit www.rioitnow.net. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> we, we get, I, I would call it the bad luck of a draw here. It goes against us. I, I really think the sad part of it is not just that it would have given us more momentum, but I think it would have given Scott Arfield momentum. Yeah. And as a player who's just come in, uh, he's, he hasn't quite yet found where his, his cog fits in the machine. I think something like this could have been a, a really nice catalyst. Yep. And I hope he can still take it as that. I hope he can yep. still take it for the beautiful strike that it was and not the result that, that he specifically got out of it, which was no credit for anything. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to move on, and we do get a, a really dramatic late equalizer uh, from Ben Bender. I have a question for you, and this is mm -hmm. for you because I know I'm biased. Ben Bender currently has, I want to say it's five goals in all competitions. Okay. And three assists. It it might be four and four. I don't know. Uh, I, I probably should have looked that up a little better. He definitely has in uh, the MLS, he has three goals and two assists. I think in all competitions, he has, I want to say it's four and four, five and four, something like that. Okay. He has that level of goal involvement and goal contribution and goals on like one fourth of the minutes of every mm -hmm. other attacker on this team. You know, Carol Schroederski is the highest producing attacker on this team. With everything we saw today, he has eight goals and three assists. Okay. Something like that. He might, it might be one either way if, if I'm missing like an obscure game. Sure. But for this season, he has something like eight goals and three assists. Mm -hmm. Some of those are penalties. He has played 17.890s. Mm -hmm. Ben Bender is one or two goal contributions off of that. He has played 5.890s. Mm. Mm. And a team that cannot seem to <laughs> score. I, I do not, I, I don't understand, because I understand what Ben lacks. I understand where he needs to grow. I understand, you know, mm -hmm. the challenges he has ahead of him. But sooner or later, in a team that has the worst scoring record in MLS and the worst defensive record in MLS, <laughs> you kind of just have to put the guys on that will score, right? Like, what is your opinion of this other than it was a fantastic last minute uh, send in? I believe it's Ashley. Was it Ashley who hits the yeah. cross? Yeah, yeah it's West it was a fa fantastic in ball and a fantastic finish from from Ben Bender, who's proving he can do this. I, You know, as I think the resident skeptic of Ben Bender amongst the guys at the crown cast. Um, I am, I, I think it's almost fair to say that I'm probably one of the lowest people on him and it's because of what I consider his defensive deficiencies. It is hard though in a team and I will be the first to admit it. In a, in a team, team that, that gives up anyway. goals. Yeah, exactly. Right. Where <laughs> how much worse is he going to make you defensively when you're already shipping two to three goals a game? I don't know. What I will say is that at the very least, I feel like Ben Bender should be getting subbed into games sooner. Um, 
I I don't think I can quite go to the point of saying I think he should be a starter because I, I really do just think that there are certain things that he is not yet showing that he can do consistently that would hurt us over a full 90. But with that said, he obviously has a knack for getting the ball in the net or finding a teammate to do that. And on a team that needs goals, as you said, him coming in in the last five, 10 minutes does not make sense. If I were the manager and I'm not okay with starting him, he, in my opinion, should probably be the first, if maybe the second guy off the bench. You're probably maybe making a change on the wings or something um, first, just because that's where you got some depth and, and you run a lot there. But for me, Ben Bender should be one of the first players off our bench into the game. And at the that should be the way he's getting more minutes right now. And he could be sort of an impact sub, kind of the way we um, we saw the taboo Andre Shinyashiki last year um, be an impact sub. And I think that's where Bender could really help us this year. Yeah, it's, it's another goal for him. It's a great strike. It's a great ball into him. Yes. Uh, I, I have already mentioned it, but this is another amazing performance from Kalina. I know he lets two go by him. They're both really good strikes into the lower side of his right side. Neither beats him on the, the near post. There's only so much you can do when yep. you get run at 1v1 13 times a game. Uh, I, I'm not saying he's perfect. He's not. He's got a lot of things about his game that could be better. But he feels like another victim of us trying to play out from the back when we're just not capable of doing it. Uh, let's let's move on because I think, well, maybe we should really quickly say he does make a very good save in the penalties. Uh, we yep. slot our penalties uh, home well. We do technically come away with the win in penalties for this league's cup, which is the first technical win Charlotte FC has seen in technically a long time. So uh, we we take that. I don't know if it counts as a win, though. I don't think it counts as a win. You, we, I think I, we get two points, right? We get two points, but I, I mm -hmm. feel like it might still count technically as a tie. I don't know who. I'm counting it as a win because you went to penalties. You won on you. You, you got the best out of the penalties. I count it as a win, but <laughs> it feels like a win to me. And all we have had because we've just had like 100 in a row is MLS matches. So that's the first win in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight games. I think it's since so, May. May was yeah, the last. Our, yep. Uh, against LA Galaxy was, <laughs> was the last win. Uh, Powerhouse so, of the league this year. Yeah. Just just roll stuff back, people. Right. Back then, everything was great. We were five wins from seven there. We were killing yeah. it. Uh, oh, how the table. Oh, how the turntables have tabled. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to move on. And I, I want to talk about the fact that we have kind of just been exasperated over these guys getting hammered with responsibilities they can't manage, mm -hmm. that they cannot handle. And I very briefly touched on the fact that we play in the Manchester City style of game. We play a high press, we play high speed, we play a team that needs to be move up and down the pitch together, very well connected. It's a high technical ceiling team. It is a, a team that gives up the opportunity to for teams to create danger on its wings and trusts that its ability up the pitch is going to make it so that when those do get exploited, because they get exploited to by everyone. I mean, Manchester City, when they give up space on the wings, it gets exploited, right? 
the the other teams in the Manchester City dynasty, and I, you know, I'm I'm going to include Arsenal in this because uh, Mikel Arteta obviously studied under Pep Guardiola, and Arsenal now play a very similar style to Charlotte FC. If you look at at the other teams in this style of gameplay, they all give up these chances. They all give up one or two huge wide open opportunities, wide out on the wings, and the difference between them is they have world beaters. They have absolute killers as center backs. They have the best players on planet Earth in their wing backs and fullback positions. They have literal footballing gods who they have gone out and spent enormous fortunes, not like tiny fortunes and not like a enormous fortune. It is multiples of fortunes in order to acquire one of these players. And Josh, I want to talk to you about the cost of success in football and whether or not it's just financially prohibitive for the MLS because something has gone down in the world where currently Kylian Mbappe is being offered an amount of money that is ungodly mm-hmm. to go play for one year, not for the 20 years for the rest of his life, for one year. In the Saudi Arabian League, it's I believe the figure is seven hundred million pounds, or yeah, for the best player in pounds the world. or euros, one of those two. It comes out to like seven hundred and seventy-six million dollars. Yeah, it's 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 more than the amount of change you're going to find in your couch. And <laughs> I, at, at what we had the era of football where Roman Abramovich went to Chelsea, and all of a sudden, instead of players costing five million. Roman Abramovich went in and he went, hey, you over there, I want you. You're the best player in the world. I'm going to pay $35 million for you. Yep. And everybody went, what on earth? Uh, everybody freaked out. And you cannot get a, an established world-quality player who is in low prime or mid prime for $30 million, for 30 million pounds anymore. It literally cannot be done. Yep. The best teams in the world can't find a 30 million pound player. And I don't see any positions in Charlotte FC right now that is that are being asked of these guys that don't cost 30 million pounds or more or 30 or 35 million dollars for a transfer or more. Our mm-hmm. most expensive player is what? 3 million? Somewhere uh, in there? Maybe uh, a little bit Enzo, more, I, but I yeah. Yeah. Um, so from your perspective, is the cost of football, the cost of success, becoming just prohibitive for anybody who is not Saudi Arabian oil money or the Premier League or PSG, which is still I mean, Saudi Arabian oil money? Yeah. Um, I think the short answer is yes. You're already seeing it in other leagues and how problematic it is for other European top European leagues to attract and purchase um, the best players. Italy is really struggling right now when you look at those top teams. Um, I think you also see it in the fact that there is a Premier League tax. Premier League clubs will pay more across the board um, from your Bournemouth all the way up to your Man Cities for players, which out and and not only in transfer money but in wages as well which which leverages 
even a mid-table Premier League club over one of the better ones in, say, Germany or Italy. When you look at a a league like MLS, which I, I do think is on the rise, I, I think it's getting better, and I think that's undeniable, you cannot compete on a financial level with that. Um, you You cannot attract those kind of players in their prime. And so what you're left with, in my mind, is really... I always look at the Dutch league as what I would like MLS to become. When you look at the Dutch league, you have teams like Ajax, PSV, um, who churn out, and especially in Ajax's case, churn out talent. They buy unknown guys for, you know, $3 million. And then three years later, those guys go to Barcelona for 80 million. Yep. I MLS is still a long way off from that, but I do think you are starting to see that. We just had um, what's his name, Tati Castellanos from uh, NYCFC, part of the City Group, but he was just mm-hmm. sold to Lazio, I think, for fifteen million dollars. You have players like um, Aaron's, the Aronson guys coming from Philadelphia who are being sold for good fees. So I think we're starting to see that, but I think that does impact how you then have to build a team in this league because, as you alluded to. You cannot be Man City in this league because you cannot attract those kinds of players. You might attract players that could eventually play at a really good team, but those guys are not coming in as the finished product. And to play that style, you almost need you need at least some guys who are the finished product in that. Yeah, you need you need world beating finished products or at the very mm-hmm. least league killing finished yes. products. I'm going to sort of quick, quickly break this off to Arsenal, because obviously you and I are both Arsenal guys. And we both watched a time when Arsenal was, I'm not going to call them quite bad, but quite average, not yep. not good by any any state. And we watched them go from a time where they not only weren't very good, but they also had a lot of really bad stuff going on. Uh, they had old players who were kind of using it as a retirement home. They had a bad culture in the dressing room. Uh, the kids would say the vibes were rancid. And... <laughs> We we watched this club over the past three or four years develop away from a, a legacy manager in Arsene Wenger and through another manager and then into Mikel Arteta, who plays the city style. And we've watched Mikel Arteta rebuild this club into one of the biggest clubs in the world again, playing a very similar style to Charlotte FC. And when you look at what it has taken them, one, mm-hmm. Mikel Arteta, their manager, is a madman. Like, he's yeah. crazy. Objectively, he's if yeah. he wasn't so good at winning football matches, everyone would be like, this guy's nuts. Where do we lock him up? I think his... people still think that even when he wins the football. <laughs> yeah, but but you need that. Like, in order to be able to motivate a team over and over, you need to be the guy that's in the locker room always, 24 hours, seven days a week, no breaks, no excuses, nothing. Um, and it's, I couldn't do it. Like, I'm not out here saying this job is easy and that Christian Latanzio has all every tool he could ever wish in his toolbox and he's just not good enough because he's, he's Mm -hmm. dumb. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when you look at a team that has succeeded using a similar version of the game, it has cost them huge amounts of money. Arsenal have put out something like 480 million British pounds in the past three years in order to purchase and buy players. Now that does include their big transfer of this last year, 
um, their big transfers of this last window. But that is what, if, if you want to build this team at the top level of the world, and that isn't even the top level of the world, they haven't even beat Man City yet. Man yeah. City is still arguably a whole level higher than them. And if mm -hmm. you want to see something horrible to look at, go look at Man City's wage bill. Yep. Right. Look at not just what they paid for their players. Look at what they pay their players. It's insane. This is the challenge if you want to play this style of football. And don't get me wrong. If you play this style of football well, you will destroy teams. Josh, is, a, is the point coming where we just have to accept the MLS is no one in the MLS is going to be able to play this style? I think you can, I think at the end of the day, you can only play a version of it, right? And and I would even go back to Arsenal and I would say when Mikel Arteta came in, he had certain, I'll call them pillars, that ways and non-negotiables that he wanted his team to play. But the Arsenal we saw last season is not the same Arsenal we saw the season before or three years ago when when he started. Um, I think a prime example of that would be the role of a guy like Kieran Tierney versus Alexander Zinchenko. Tierney on a lot of teams is a starter. He's a very, very good player. But he does not play that position in the way that Mikel Arteta wants it to be played last year. Um, and so Mikel Arteta has adjusted his team over time. He has kept things in like playing out from the back. He has built up defensive pressure when they're out of possession. But he did not, I think that is sort of where I see the flaw in Latanzio's plan is I have not seen Latanzio build up to to this point. Rather, what, I've, what I feel like Latanzio has tried to do is go from whatever we had with Mar to this is the way we're going to play now. He did that. Maybe he gave a month or two to adjust, right? But to play this, this style, I think you also have to build it up over many years, regardless of the money. Go back and look at City the first few years under Pep Guardiola. They were not the all-conquering force that they are now. Um, because even at a club like City that had infinite resources, it still took a couple years to get the correct players in, to get these systems down. And to me, it almost feels like Latanzio has tried to rush this process. Um, and so regardless of whether he has the right players or not, I think we almost might still be struggling even if we had the right players because it's too much too soon. Um, yeah. So I, I guess one of the, the main questions that, you know, you and I having seen other clubs go through this development, Right. And there were times that people wanted Mikel Arteta fired. Arsenal fans wanted Mikel Arteta fired. I wanted Mikel Arteta fired at one point. Oh, uh, you made a mistake. I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so the question here is, and, and this is something that I don't really know I have an answer to, and I don't really know that you will. And mm -hmm. for the fans at home, the people listening, I don't know that anyone has the right answer, except maybe Christian Latanzio. And that is, do you look at Christian Latanzio and you say, Here's a guy with the highest pedigree in the world who has worked with in the same coaching group as the most dominant style of football currently, the, the current football meta, and is undeniably an amazing player development coach. Do you look at that guy and you say, look, I don't care if you have a year and a half of absolute crap, because I, I hate to be the guy. This is absolute crap. This is mm -hmm. awful. Um, this is not the football that anybody wants to be watching. We are here for the project. And 
do you look at that guy and say, you're the guy to take us through three and a half, four years of this project? Or do you have to look at how it's been managed so far and say, this guy's on the hot seat. I know there have been, there have been reports of, of him sitting down and discussing his future uh, with the leaders of the club, mm-hmm. right? Where are you at, Josh? Uh, I am at that Latanzio, I think, is a victim of his own success from last year. Um, mm-hmm. I think if this club had sort of it's a it's a double edged sword because I think if the club had gone way downhill after he took over as interim, maybe he never becomes the full time manager. But I think because we got so close to playoffs, the expectations were jumped exponentially this year. Um, I will say that I have not fully reached this decision yet, but I am quickly approaching the. I do not believe that we are going to be successful with Christian Latanzio. Um, I I don't think from top to bottom that this club is set up. I don't think it's just Latanzio's fault. I think if we had a world-class front office who is making decisions very well consistently, I think I would then have more confidence that give, give Latanzio a couple years and we could be successful. But I also think we have a front office who is learning on the job, so to speak. And I don't think we can have a front office who is making mistakes and who is lacking a direction, I think you could say, in some areas, as well as a coach who is who's doing those same things. It feels to me like if we really want to right this ship, we either need to bring in experienced guys in that front office, which is a lot more change or you need to bring in an experienced guy into that managerial position, which I think is the quicker change. I don't know which one is better long-term. I don't know if either one makes ha- has that great of an impact on us next year. But I do think that this club is lacking MLS experience from the players to the front office to the coaching staff, and I think that that is actively harming us. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll go so far to say as, I think there's a really good manager in Christian Latanzio. And I'm on record a couple times saying this. I think there's a really good manager in that guy. Um, I think there there is already a world-class player development coach. And I think that somewhere in there is a world-class manager. I think Latanzio is a guy who, who will live and die by his way. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that's a benefit in a manager. I think you need Agreed. that. Uh, I just think that in the MLS... His way is is not achievable. The game he wants to play here cannot be done. And if it if it is done, it is done by spending way, 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 way more money than Charlotte it, FC want to spend. Or it, and it is done. And I'll be honest. I think the other thing that Charlotte is going to consistently run up against is even if we became the high wanted to become the highest spending team in this league. We do not have the location cachet of Miami or L.A. or New York. And that is fact. I love the city of Charlotte. It is a beautiful place. And I think if more footballers from around the world came here, they would enjoy it, too. But at the end of the day, we could have offered Messi the Mbappe package. And I'm not sure he's coming to Charlotte over Miami. Um, I don't believe that Messi was was in love with the with the project of Miami or with David Beckham or those coaching. He wanted to go to the city of Miami because that has a world class cachet of a city. And that is something that Charlotte will continue to have to go up against, which is why we should not be looking at those cities and those clubs 
we need to be looking at cities and clubs like Philadelphia. Now, I think Cincinnati, Nashville, those types of clubs where they have clear visions for what they want from their club and they are building a culture around that where they do not have to rely on getting the best players. They have to rely on getting the correct players. Yeah, I will echo all of that because I think it was really well said. And I won't actually echo it because you shouldn't have to listen to it twice. If you want to, just listen to it in Josh's <laughs> voice. He said it much better than I would have. Uh, I, I will say the, the, the thing going on with the Saudi league scares me. Uh, you know, we talked about the Roman Abramovich bump. After that came the oil money and the Pep Guardiola bump. After that came, surprisingly, Chelsea again when an American came in named Todd Bowley with a money cannon and just started firing money in every direction. And and now we're getting these extreme crazy hikes into the Saudi leagues. And I'll be honest, a a rising tide lifts all boats, right? If these players, if the average player starts costing 60, 70 million, that means the players that the MLS are going to be able to acquire are going to start costing five, six, seven million. And we are already like as a, as a, as the MLS is already on a financial strain. So we'll see where it progresses, but I will admit that one's got me a bit spooked. I, Any, oh, good. I was just going to say, I, my hope is that what we have in the Saudi league is what we had. Oof, what was this five, 10 years ago with the, the boom the of the league. Chinese league, mm-hmm. where for a summer or two, you had a bunch of players and well-known players, um, going to china on big big contracts and big big fees and then that died down rather quickly mm-hmm. um i think the the saudi the money that saudi that the saudi league is able to get is a bit more consistent because mm-hmm. oil there's money in oil um than the chinese league was but that is that is my hope is that we're seeing a boom right now that will will die down eventually um but i, I think you, i think you raise a good point that um, if Ruben Neves is worth uh, 55 million pounds, then it won't and be Carol long until... is worth 34. Exactly, right? like, exactly. Enzo um, Capetti's costing you 20, and Ben Bender all of a sudden is worth $27,500 million. Yeah, $27,500 <laughs> yes. Um, if we can sell Ben Bender for that, you take the bag. I have, I have sort of a final final question to ask and i think that this is a a a place in which we have to as as a world decide how football runs and there's going to be debate there's going to be real debate i I saw something before Uh, i i was previously a tennis coach and i was playing and coaching in the era of the big four tennis players and a lot of people will call them the big three because andy murray didn't survive in the top class that long But in that era, there were four players who won everything, and nobody else could touch them. They were Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Andy Murray, and Novak Djokovic. Together, combined, all four of them over their entire career, their winnings are something like 420 million British pounds. Kylian Mbappe is looking at 700 million for one year's worth of work. And then he can go screw off to wherever he wants to go. Real right? Madrid. <laughs> yeah, Real Madrid, the Maldives, whatever. You do you, Kylian Mbappe. Uh, he's so fast, nobody's going to catch him. We, 
there comes a point where, you know, do you blame the guy for taking the money? I, I will say, so the latest report I actually saw was that Killian has actually turned down this offer. Okay. He has said he it, will not play. Turned down. Yep. That, that is the latest report. What I will say is that to me, that speaks more positively about him than it would negatively if he had taken it. Because yes, Killian Mbappe, I think he's already on like 72 million euros a year or something. Ungodly he's already money. rich. Yeah. He's already beyond most of our wildest imaginations. And I get that. But I don't think that we can underestimate the difference between 72 million euros and 700. That is another stratosphere of wealth. And so me personally, I don't think I would have blamed him if he had taken it. I am very happy that arguably the best player in the world, if not the best player in the world, a top three player at minimum has turned it down because I think that that hopefully keeps other players playing in the best leagues against the best teams. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is ignoring some of the other issues that I, that we don't want to get into with, with Saudi Arabia. Um, but I personally would not have blamed him. Just like, I don't know that I can blame a lot of the players who are going there because the money is just so outrageous that when you look at it, I think a lot of people in those same positions would make the same decisions. And I count myself among that for better or worse, whatever that says about me, I don't know. Um, I like to, I would like to think that I, I would be better than that, but I don't know if I would. And I, I think that's a question everyone is sort of thinking about with, with when that number like that gets thrown out. Yeah. I, I just want to take a quick moment and say the, the money that you, that he could, if he had taken that deal, the money he could have gotten, if he had just gone and invested it, we're not talking about like started a business with it and, and tried to rebuild it in you know really intensive ways. If he'd just gone and invested smartly, investment bankers will tell you 10% is a very feasible thing to acquire. That means he would have been acquiring passively just on it being invested 70 million British pounds per year. Okay, that is, that is you could buy Charlotte FC for 70 million British pounds. Like, I, I don't know exactly what Charlotte FC is worth um, here. I, actually, I have the magical power of Google. Uh, Charlotte FC is currently worth 570 million US dollars. So probably somewhere in that range of like 480 million British pounds, which yep. means that if Kylian Mbappe had just let that sit there doing nothing, he could have bought Charlotte FC in five years, six years. Yep. Um, that's the amount of absurd mm -hmm. levels of wealth that you're talking about. I mean, it, it, it's gen the number of zeros is mind boggling and it, it yep. leads to crazy things. Uh, I do think we're going to start to wrap it up there. Hopefully we do not see the chaos of money flux into the MLS. Hopefully all people are as, as honorable and good men as Kylian Mbappe and, and don't take the dirty money. Uh, but we are going to really quickly have some, some big announcements for you. Uh, coming up on the 5th, myself and my co-host today, Josh, are going to be at Charlotte SoccerCon. Yay! Woo! Woo! Uh, we are going to be the official podcast of uh, Charlotte SoccerCon. We are going to be there. We're going to be doing a live show. You can come. You can shake our hands. You can ask us questions. You can have fun at the con. Uh, even if you don't particularly love podcasts and you just tuned into this one and you're getting this for, I, I don't know, go, come have a great time. The other thing that we're doing is for the uh, 
game against Inter-Miami, against Messi, down there, Josh and I are going to be live at Guild Brewing. So we're going to be doing our first Next. live show in a uh, in a brewery. Josh, you excited? Yes. Beer, soccer, talking. What's not yep. to like? <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I think what we're going to do, and we may get a little bit of, of change up on this, but I think we're going to do a scouting of Lionel Messi before the mm. game. So everybody knows Lionel Messi's great. He's a small-time player. We're going to make yeah. sure that you're aware of his strengths and his weaknesses before you watch the game. You might have heard of his acquisition, but might not know the yeah. details about him. Yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> so, so we do a lot of scouting around here, and we often do it looking at players that aren't that great. And so, so it'll be really fun to do one that, like, this is why this guy is, is who he is. Yeah. And and we'll get to bring that to you guys only there for the people who are going to be there live. We'll do that before the show. It will not be recorded. So uh, if we do a recording of that, it's going to come out way later. That's going to be the live one. We'll do a post recording of a post react after that. And that is the announcements. So please tell everyone, tell your friends, tell your family. Um, Josh, tell your newborn baby girl. Yeah. 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 She she can't drink yet legally. But um. she can still be there. I don't mind. <laughs> um, August 20th, Guild Brewing. We're going to be out there. We're going to be having a good time. We're going to watch the Inter Miami match with you guys. Maybe even do it with some cool giveaways. Maybe some tickets. Maybe some, some yeah. cool oh, oh. Crown Cast themed stuff. I don't know. Secrets. Secrets. Oh. I'm not going to tell anything. Uh, and, and that's it. Uh, Josh, any final thoughts for you? Uh, no, that it was just good to be back talking with you, talking the, the footy. <laughs> good to have you good to have you back man where you're back now i've got my clutches back into you you're stuck with me <laughs> so uh on that note uh if you want to find us on twitter you can find us at the underscore crown underscore cast uh if you want to find us on instagram you can find us at the underscore crown cast and uh you oh and as ever if you have decided to spend your time with us we love you thank you so much we we genuinely genuinely mean that and uh, we will talk to you again next Wednesday. Goodbye. Queen City Podcast Network.com.